but about two years ago, I was raped. There's a lot of anger. We're not being manly enough. There are two ideas about safe spaces. My understanding of the world changed. And I felt numb. Are you a man or a mouse? I was alone. I couldn't bring myself to say it. I was lost. All I wanted was to be able to share my experience, what was happening to me with someone. All right, and welcome once again to Safe Place for Men. All right, this is Coach Thomas Edward, your male survivor, resiliency coach, and leadership development coach. And we're coming to you, of course, from wonderful Sacramento, where the air is getting a little bit, a little bit clearer. I mean, there are certain mornings. I'm always checking the air reports around here, seeing what are the particulates in the air, because there's still fire and stuff burning around here. But um, so I'm always checking it, you know, through through the day and see where it's fair, poor, unhealthy. So it's kind of staying in the poor area, but we'll take the poor over the unhealthy. Um, and maybe uh, one day we'll get some rain and it'll help put out all the fires. But hey, we're still in fire season here. But hey, I'm looking out at the backyard, my garden. And hey, I'm on my last round uh, over crop for my Kentucky Wonder Beans, which are growing up my twine there and the Brussels sprouts because it's starting to get cool in the evening. So the sun isn't, you know, burning them out so much in the daytime like it does in the full uh, summer. And then pretty soon I'll have some collard greens. Woo. And so we'll be able to actually uh, cook those up. All right. This is episode, I believe, 31. All right. Down in the annals. And so today we're going to be talking about dealing with our inner critic. Uh, this is really important, especially when we're talking about, you know, creating, you know, safe places. But when we're also just trying to work through the issues and we're trying to get to the point where we are also thriving. So remember, we talked about going from victim survivor to thriver, continually moving in between those spaces, which is really important. But oftentimes we have to deal with that inner critic that is there. Now, if you've been to the website and you've gone through the little course, you already know what the number one issue is, of course, that stops oftentimes uh, abuse survivors uh, from success. And so hopefully you've gone through that e-course, you've been able to use some of the strategies there in your life. And so actually now we're talking about this is kind of number two, at least in coaching, the little inner critic that comes up. Of course, you know, each week these come from, like I said, coaching sessions that I'm usually either doing with uh, someone and some of these things pop up. And so usually that's the perfect time to do a podcast because then it's it's directly on your mind. So this one came up actually as I was talking and working, working with the client. So as I was working with the client, um, with, we were in the kind of the first session, I noticed that this client will always apologize for things that he didn't really need to apologize for. Now, I remember one time I was actually hosting uh, one of the um, Thriver workshops, and actually it was a, a leadership, it was a, a tier tier seven leadership workshop. And so it was a three-day workshop retreat, and it was almost like a, a master class. So we had a small intimate group of like um, um, executives, actually, who were also survivors, abuse survivors of sexual abuse. So we had about 10 or 12. And so, um, for two of the days, you know, I did the cooking. Now, if you've ever been to one of these and you've listened to some of the podcasts before, you know that I formerly was or was a chef in my little short time. So, you know, when I'm cooking the food, everyone say, yo, yo, Thomas, man, 
the food is off the chain, right? Everyone, everyone likes it. So especially when I throw down my signature dish, which is urban crusted salmon with rustic New England chive potatoes and a reduction lemon sauce with roasted asparagus tips. Oh, all right. I even like it myself. But anyway, this one morning I had uh, made buckwheat organic buttermilk pancakes. And so one of the execs started apologizing, you know, saying that, you know, he liked pumpkin pancakes. Okay. Well, which is fine. I, I, I didn't really <laughs> care about that because uh, I didn't make pumpkin pancakes. Right. So I wasn't going to cook any other ones. That's what they were going to get, whatever, that morning. Now, of course, if he had shared with me that he enjoyed pumpkin pancakes, I know me, I would have went ahead and I would have probably made a few and whatever, put them on the side so he could enjoy them. Um, Because, yeah, you should be a nice guy. Right. But anyway, it turned into this unnecessary apologetic groveling for no reason. And right, and even coaches can can you can get under coaches' skin too, even though we have to do a, our practice and stuff. So I said, fine. I was like, bro, 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 you you got to get a hold on this, you know, uh, on this apologizing for everything when there is no need to apologize. And so then uh, we ended up, of course, you know, going into the session. And with him, his was so deep uh, that we had to take some some time out later after the actual workshop, and we did some. Um, hypnotherapy uh, with them because I'm also a certified hypnotherapist, right? And uh, and so we were able to actually work the that issue out with him probably in about three sessions, what they're like 90, 90 minutes apiece, but did well. He really did well. But, you know, when we think about that, we're all familiar, right? We're all familiar with those nagging thoughts, especially for abusive virus that tell us that we're not good enough, they often cast doubt on the goals and things that we're trying to achieve and, and they undermine our accomplishments. And so these thoughts, they might be there to, to greet us when we first wake up in the morning, maybe when we look in the mirror and we're looking in the mirror and we're, we're thinking like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm not good enough. Like I'm a slob or I'm unattractive or I'm fat or whatever. All these different type of inner critical voices coming to the table. And this inner critic, you know, it might meet you at work. So, you know, maybe you're there and you're under pressure, but you're like, oh, you know, you, you never get anything done. Or the little voice might be telling you, oh, no one even notices the work that you do. You don't put that good work anyway. You should just, just give up, okay? Or even for survivors, and this was one, you know, for me, and it was that little voice critiquing, you know, our closest relationships, right? Oh, so she doesn't really love you or he doesn't really love you. Um, no one can really care about you. And man, oh, this was, this is a hard one for me, right? Because you guys know even at the end of the podcast, I always just say to you, you just need to know that there's someone here who loves you, right? Uh, but when we're in that inner critical voice stage, it doesn't matter how much someone says that to us. We don't believe it, okay, because we've, we've listened to that inner critical voice, and we just can't be vulnerable. So when we think about this, this inner critical voice, you know, where does it kind of come from since we're, we're dealing with it? Well, for us, it probably seems kind of easy, right, because, of course, we're dealing with the abuse, and so we're going to say, well, it's probably come from somewhere there. So that critical inner voice is, you know, is often formed when there's some 
painful, I'm going to say early life experience, or it could be later too, in which maybe we've witnessed or we've experienced some type of hurtful actions, some type of hurtful attitudes towards us. And it's usually from someone who's close to us or someone that we regard or trust or, or give a certain amount of respect. And so then, if not addressed, of course, during that time, as we grow up, we unconsciously adopt and integrate that pattern of destructive thought towards ourselves and others. So in other words, pretty much we start believing the lie. I guess that's the, I guess that's the best way to think of it. And that's why I said sometimes, you know, when I'm working with individuals, we have to do a hypnotherapy uh, sessions because it's so deeply rooted in where it becomes belief that inner critical voice that we have to get in and we have to root it out. So then what happens though, when we fail to identify or separate, I'm going to say from this inner critic, like we said, we actually started believing it. So then what we do is we allow it to impact our behavior and it starts shaping the direction of our lives. You ever feel like in your life that you're self-sabotaging? Okay. Well, that could be actually that inner critical voice, right? So it sabotages our success, our relationships, and it prevents us from living the lives that we really want to live, that we want to lead, and becoming the people that we seek to be. Now, okay, I'm going to give you a little, we're going to throw just a little psychology over here. I'm not going to go too, too deep, um, but so when we're talking about, well, where does this kind of develop? Well, maybe for us. So for us, maybe it developed, like I said, early. Okay, so early neglect, early abuse. Like I said, it could be emotional. It could be the sexual abuse, whatever, abandonment, whatever. But what happens is, especially if it happens, we're going to talk about doing our early childhood development. So we have what's known as arrested development. It forces, I'm going to say, the child, which is us during that time, to merge with that identity with the superego. Okay, now, for those of you guys that haven't gone through this part with me, I'm gonna give you just a little, I'm gonna try and explain as best I can without making it overcomplicated. All right, so everyone's probably had Psych Whatever 101, right? So you've probably heard of ego, right? And you've heard of superego, right? And you've heard of id. In the cartoons, of course, you see them as there's a little angel sitting on one side, there's a little devil sitting on the other side. So the id is the part of us, it's the pleasure part of us. That, yeah, I just want to do it because I want to do it because it feels great, it feels wonderful, right? And then on the other side, of course, is the super ego says, well, you can't do that because of rule, whatever, restriction, code number one, two, three, four, seven. Okay, so you've got those two sides. And then the ego's there in the middle trying to balance Right. So you don't have too much of one or too much of the other. Well, the problem is, is when we're talking about possibly when the abuse happens, it forces, like we said, maybe that brain to merge with the super ego identity. OK, so part of we'll say the child's brain, since we were children during that time, learns that the rules. OK, so rules that were given could be parents, caretakers, whatever by following those rules, we get the acceptance, we get the love, we get the belonging. So we gonna say, move way over to the super ego side in order to get those things that we need. So what happens? Well, the super ego gets stuck 
working overtime, okay, to achieve to achieve the impossible. Now, you probably can figure out where that leads us, right? Ever heard of being a perfectionist? <laughs> okay, so that's what's going on inside of our our brains. So brain's trying to find a formula that's going to win, right? So I want the love, I want the acceptance, I want the belonging. So how do I get that? Well, if I get stuck in the super ego side, if I embrace being a perfectionist as the strategy, life is going to be so much better. Well, of course, it's actually the opposite. So then I hope by, well, if I can become smarter, if I become more helpful, if I become more prettier, uh, if I become more flawless, then I'm going to be accepted, I'm going to belong, and I'm going to care. So then when I don't meet those standards on the super ego side, guess what happens, right? So I've got those inner critical voice telling me that I'm not good enough, I'm not this enough, whatever it is, okay? All right, so that's a little bit of the Psychology 101. Now here's the problem though I often notice, especially when coaching and working with um, survivors, is that oftentimes we have a hard time distinguishing the critical inner voice from our conscience. They kind of get lumped in with each other, okay? So many people think that if they you know, stop listening to that inner critical voice, right, which says I'm not this, I'm not that, then they believe that, oh, but I'm actually losing touch with my conscience because that's my conscience, whatever, speaking, saying those things, you know, keeping me humble so I don't go... Uh, no. However, the critical inner voice is not a trustworthy moral guide like your conscience is. So on the contrary, the, the critical inner voice is actually degrading. So he's like, how can I figure out which is the two? Well, if you got one that is degrading and it's punishing you, which then, of course, often leads you to make unhealthy decisions, then you're probably dealing with your critical inner voice. So those negative voices. So they tend to increase your feelings of self-hatred. If it's doing that, it's probably an inner critical voice. And if it's doing that without motivating you to change, if there are like undesirable qualities or to act in a constructive manner, then it's probably a critical inner voice. And so the reality is you've, you've got to do some evaluations. You know, one of the ways I remember when I was working through this, one of the things um, I always have clients to ask the first thing, is it true? Okay, so I'm not good enough, I'm not this enough, I'm not whatever that enough. Is it true? I mean, is it actually true? If it's not, okay, okay, then I don't need to worry about it. But if it is, then maybe there's something I can do to change it. Okay, So changing, like we said, those undesirable qualities or acting in a constructive way, when I throw it into those categories, that's how I can figure out what it is or what it's not far as critical voice or my conscience. All right, guys, you know what time it is. Consider this your wake-up call. Boom! What was that? Me dropping some knowledge on you. All right, so let's get ready to drop some knowledge on here. So how are, what are we going to do with this? How, how are we going to deal with this? All right, so I'm coaching you. We're working together, right? So one of the first things I want to suggest to you is start challenging your critical inner voice. You know, you can take the power over your critical inner voice. So when you become conscious of what it's telling you, 
you can actually stop it from running and ruining your life. But the thing is, the challenge is to identify it and flush it out. Okay, so flush out this and in, in, this in, internal whatever covert operation. But to do this, okay, you're going to have to be on the lookout for when you actually slip into the modes. Okay, so when you slip into the mode or you become upset, this is what you need to do. One, you need to investigate. Okay, so as a coach, I'm going to give you some questions to start working on, right? So when you start investigating, you're going to ask yourself, okay, what caused the shift? Okay, so we shifted from whatever mood, our good mood, whatever, into our bad mood, or we became upset. What caused the shift? Okay, then the next thing you're going to do, well, what happened? Okay, because you're trying to figure out what caused what happened. And most importantly, what did you start telling yourself after the event? Okay, after the event, what did you start telling yourself? All right, so let's just say for example, um, Okay, let's just take it, uh, let's make it easy. So we're a kid, we're playing catch. Someone's throwing the ball to us. Oh, and we missed the ball a couple of times. And so then someone says something, whatever hurtful to us. Oh man, you know, you got sissy hands or whatever. You can't even catch a ball. Okay, so if we were going, and now we get to the point where now we've told ourselves, whatever through all the years that we can't catch, we can't play baseball, we're, we're no good at it. Okay, because we missed the ball maybe a couple times and then someone said whatever, something hurtful. So we took that in, internalized it, and now we've got that inner critical voice. Okay, so if I'm investigating well, what caused the shift, what happened, and most importantly, when did you start telling yourself after the event? Okay, so the fact that your mood shifted from, I'm going to say, feeling optimistic or relaxed to feeling down or irritable is probably a sign that you are interpreting the event or whatever it is through your critical inner voice. So you're looking at it through the lens of the inner critical voice. Now, now that you've identified what your critical inner voice is advising you, okay, so what is it trying to get you to do? This is where the behavior part comes in. Now, when you pinpoint the actions that it's advocating, then you can take control over your critical inner voice. And now you can consciously decide to take action against those directives of that inner critical voice and start acting in your own interest. Okay. So the first step we said was simply just to try to identify your critical inner voice. What is it telling you? Acknowledge that this thought process is separate. Okay. It's separate from you, from the real point of view. Like we said, remember that your critical inner voice is not a reflection of reality. It's fear. And you guys remember what fear is when I'm coaching you. Forgetting everything about reality. Okay, that's often where the fear comes from. So remembering that your critical inner voice is not a reflection of your reality. And then that this viewpoint, it's a viewpoint that you adopt it based on some like I said, destructive, whatever experience, hurtful, whatever attitude or something in life. And what we did was we directed it and we internalized it to become our own point of view. All right. So we said the next thing that we need to do is we just need to differentiate. Okay. So differentiate. Now I'm going to give you something to help you to actually do that. You say, okay, Coach Thomas, how do I differentiate okay, my critical inner voice? So now we're going to do something we're going to write. Okay. 
So this is what I want you to do. So in order to differentiate from your critical inner voice, I want you to write uh, down those thoughts in the second person. So you're going to be using you statements. Okay, so for example, uh, maybe one of my thought is that, uh, you know, I, I just can't get anything right. You ever said that to yourself? Or I'll never be successful. So now what I want you to do, I want you to take those inner critical voices and I want you to write them down with second person. So you can't get anything right or you'll never be successful. You know, even when you say it like that, it feels like someone is pointing the finger, right? Okay. So this will help you to see that these thoughts, I'm going to say, are aliens, okay, gremlins. It's an alien point of view, and they're not really true statements. And even notice how hostile that they sound, okay? This is that internal enemy. And so once you can identify that it's an enemy, we know, oh, but it's not part of me. It's the enemy. Now, this is what we're going to do. The third thing I want you to do is now you're going to respond to your inner critic by writing down, so those statements that you have in front of you, a more realistic and compassionate evaluation of yourself. Now, notice I said evaluation of yourself. This is the thing, like I said before, one of the questions I always ask myself, first of all, is it true or is it not? Okay, because maybe, yeah, maybe my attitude was was horrible, janky or whatever, whatever it is. And if it is, okay, then you know what, then I need to do something about that. I need to change. I need to apologize, whatever. Okay, in order to make it right, it's something I can make right. But if it's not, someone says, oh, you'll never amount to anything. And it's not true Then I have to allow it to become like water on a duck's back and just roll off. Okay, but the, the part you can do now, though. You're going to take those statements and now we're going to write those responses in first person statements, but we're going to be realistic and compassionate in our evaluation. So instead of saying you're such an idiot or you're an idiot, we're going to rewrite that as, you know what? I may struggle at times, but I am smart and competent in many ways. Okay. And so now what we've done with that exercise now it isn't meant to like just, you know, build and boost up your ego, but it's to show the kinder, the more honest attitude that you have towards yourself. Now, like we said, remember not to act on the directives of the inner critic. You're going to take actions that represent your own point of view, not the false point of view, which is the inner critic, because you're working with who you want to be and what you want to achieve, what you want to aim for. And so your critical inner voice may seem like it's getting louder, but when you start working with these things and you start pronouncing them a little bit more often, doing them a little bit more often, if you start separating yourself from identifying what, what the critic is saying, when you start going against those destructive thought processes, guess what happens? Your thought processes start to grow stronger and your inner critic actually starts to grow weaker. Yes, that's actually how we actually do it, and it can be done. All right, guys, I know I went over time. I know the 20-minute 20-minute rule, but I hope you got something out there. Hey, make sure you go up to the website, Safe Place for Men. There's quite a few uh, little nuggets up there. You know, you can sign up for 
the tips, the weekly tips, if you want to get those to help you out. If you're thinking about, hey, I want to sign up, maybe try a coaching session. Feel free to enter the drawing, right? Because we do one, uh, one per month. Make sure you do that. And then if you just like, you know, you're hearing the stuff on the podcast, you're reading the stuff on the website, you're listening to the testimonials, especially Scotty's up there, just talking about all the wonderful things uh, that can happen when you do the coaching and you're ready for it. You know what? I'm ready to work with you. Let's get to work. All right. Let's cut down. Let's accelerate your healing journey. Because you remember, you are not alone. All right, guys. So until our next podcast, remember to be safe. And remember, hey, if you got any questions or anything, feel free to go up to the website. Um, shoot me some email. Safe place for men at gmail.com. All right, guys. Until then.